this week's message given by Pastor Stephen Yun at the Circus Center United Methodist Church, May 15th, 2022. The message is Relationship, Sailing Through Life Together 3, based on 2 Peter 1, 3-7 and 1 John 3, 11-18. It's good to be with you this morning. Would you join me as I pray? The living water. We are thirsty for your word. Your word of comfort, your word of hope, your word of truth. As we listen to the words of scripture this morning, oh God, open our hearts and minds. Fill our hearts with your life-giving word so we can sail through life together in our relationships. Come Holy Spirit, Pray all this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So during a, a play date, a mother checked on her daughter and friends and overheard from playing wedding. The vows went like this. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be held against you. You have the right to an attorney. Now you may kiss the bride. <laughs> you know, we children uh, can be very creative in learning languages. Sometimes they combine things that we would not usually associate together, right? Like Miranda warning and uh, marriage vows. But we know sometimes Mary's vows are turned into Miranda warning. At a wedding, every couple makes a covenant to keep their solemn vows until parted by death. But what some people actually end up living out along the way is the Miranda warning, not their marriage vows. Some couples practice the right to remain silent when the conversation is most needed. They're hesitant or resistant to seek counsel, but are quick to use an attorney for their own interest. I'm sure you heard about pandemic-induced breakups. It's old news that the pandemic has affected many of our core relationships, the relationship between the parents and children, especially adult children, the relationship between couples, even strong ones who didn't face any major conflict before the pandemic. Relationship experts are worrying about the spikes in so-called pandemic-induced breakups among couples, which they think haven't reached a, a peak yet. We're going to talk more about this issue next Sunday, but... You know, money and financial uh, strain has been identified as one of the most common causes of marital strife. More people are finding themselves being under strain, being, you know, trapped in a situation where they are struggling to cope with what's going on for them 
as well as what's going on between them. Mental health experts emphasize that it's, it's so important for us to leave our stresses, to find healthy ways to let our pressure out, just like a pressure cooker does. In my house, we used to cook rice with a um, pressure cooker. How many of you used a, a pressure cooker before? Yeah? It's the best way to cook delicious chewy rice. But do you know what happens if a pressure cooker malfunctions and fail to let any pressure out? It pops. The lead can eventually pop. Likewise, the relationship can break down when it's being kept under a strain without a form of support. There are some truth to it, but our human mind, our relationship, are way more complicated than a pressure cooker. Again, friends, we are men for relationships. As we are created in the image of God, the God of relationality, God of Trinity, we are created, we are men for relationships. A relationship is therefore a spiritual matter as much as it is a physical and psychological one. Think of a moment when you first enter into a loving relationship with someone. Your spouse, with your friend, your partner. At the beginning, most relationships begin with excitement, positive expectations, hopes, but then, like a sailboat, your relationship can lose its direction at some point. It might drift away at the mercy of the ocean. You might drift away from the final destination along the way. So, this is why we uh, thought about relationship goals last Sunday. And in this sermon, particular sermon series, you know, the importance of having relationship goals. Relationship goals grant us three critical visions for our relationship. And each start with the alphabet P. Do you remember what that was? First, purposes, right? The relationship goals give us purposes. So, you know, as taught, as Jesus taught uh, in the Gospel of John, our grand purpose is to be one in heart and mind, to achieve a complete unity and love through our relationships. The secondly, the relationship goals give path for growth, path for growth. No matter how long you have known each other, no matter how long you have lived together, we all need to grow in what it means to be in one heart and one mind. And relationship goals are like a map that guides our, our, our journey. You know, it helps us to follow the path for growth. And finally, what was the, the last P? Remember? Perimeters, right? Or boundaries, if you like. The sailors know 
that there is a range of courses a sailboat can or cannot take. There's no, like a sail, as you see the no sail zone or the no go zone. That's the area that a sailboat cannot travel. That leaves a sailor, sailor with a 20, uh, 270 degrees of options to move the boat with the aid of the wind. Do you see? I explain briefly what they, what they are. It's called the points of sailing. Points of sailing. Understanding the points of sailing is vital to understanding how sailors orient themselves relative to the wind. Nowadays, most sailors use... Um, you know, the technical gazettes to um, understand the wind, how, where, where the wind is coming from, how strong it is. They use the technology to, to read. But you must still learn how to read and determine the wind direction during sailing in case the system doesn't work. It always happens. So reading the wind means, the first, to understand where their wind is coming from. Where the wind is coming from in relation to the boat, in relation to where you're now. That's the first understanding. Secondly, it means to understand how to adjust, maneuver your sailboat in relation to the wind. So there are two different levels of understanding you need there. Likewise, reading the direction of the wind and understanding the points of sailing for our relationships are the essential ability of Christian sailors. When it comes to our relationship, these points of sailing set the perimeters. They set the perimeters. They clarify a range of courses our relationship should or should not take. As we continue to discern our relationship that shape our lives and our faith, we turn to the message of Second Peter. Last Sunday, we, we read this uh, passage. Uh, this passage presents us eight points of sailing. Faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, and love. Traditionally, they have been identified as a Christian trait, the Christian virtues, characteristics. As is written in verse 3, they are what God has given us for godly life. That includes godly relationships. During this past week, we sent out a daily devotional based on this passage, each of these uh, sailing points. And if you haven't received the uh, devotional and want to receive them this week, please contact the church office. But those of you who couldn't read or receive the daily devotional, um, let me just briefly explain each of these eight sailing points, especially when we need to take one as a point of sailing. I'm going to give you a summary of it, but you can always go back and read it again. But depending on the winds you're facing right now, you will need to take a different point of sailing in order to move toward a final destination. The question is, how can we know which point of sailing we need to take? As we think about each of these sailing points, I hope and pray that God may guide you in discerning the right 
point of sailing, the right course of direction you need to take right now. In your bulletin, there is a sermon notes, and also the um, the, the, the this picture with the um, the po- different points of sailing. So, I invite you to kind of identify. There are there are many points of sailing, but what is the point of sailing that you need to take right now? I hope you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As I preached last Sunday, faith is not only a sail for Christians, faith is a sail for Christians, but also a point of sailing. It's a direction that we need to take. In other words, it's a course of direction that we should take to make our relationship godly. Many couples tend to give up on their relationship using different excuses. But one of them is, I do not feel that love anymore. You know, they say, I do not feel that love anymore. I feel like you don't love me anymore. The truth is that it's not love that ended. What ended was the faith that you had in your relationship. The faith in the partner. What happens when one stops having faith in, in the relationship? They would stop investing in the relationship and stop doing what's right, what's good for the partner. And it makes things worse and increases more problems along the way. If you feel like your faith in your relationship or faith in your partner is deteriorating, it means you need to set faith as a point of sailing right now. Ask God to help restore faith in the relationship and have faith in your partner. Think about some of the small steps you can take to restore or increase faith in the relationship that you are struggling with at this point. And strive to do what's right, what's good for your partner, what, what's good for your spouse or friend, even though you're not seeing any results yet. Remember, the first step to building a godly relationship is to pursue faith as a point of sailing in your relationship. Another point of sailing in our relationship journey is goodness. In another translation, uh, you know, it's translated as a moral excellence, moral excellence. We tend to think of goodness with being nice, you know, being kind to others and not being offensive. But nice doesn't always mean good. Sometimes goodness takes greed, requires action, oftentimes difficult actions. Then what does it mean to pursue practice goodness in your relationship? Like relationship with your family members, relationship with your spouse. Again, our view of goodness is based on the scripture. It's based on God who is good all the time. That's God's nature. God is our ultimate moral authority and moral compass. As Christians, we define goodness as a reflection of God's character that acts on behalf of others. God calls us to follow his example, to show goodness to others. 
So the question is, what would goodness look like in a relationship with someone you love or someone you struggle with? Imagine the difference goodness can make in your relationship, your marriage, your parenting, your partnership. It's about reflecting God's goodness by serving your spouse, serving your child, treating them with the same love and care that God has shown you. When God's goodness derives decisions, a couple will make choices that will make decisions that show honor and respect to each other. Of course, goodness is never easy, especially in intimate relationships. It's always it's a challenging. It requires, us to, it requires us, to, us to be just, humble, and kind. But it's a course of direction that Christian sailors, sailors should take, especially when they see the winds of dishonor, the winds of disrespect, the winds of disagreement, you know, increasing in their relationships. If that is the case, set goodness as a point of sailing in your relationship right now. The point of sailing, the next point of sailing is knowledge. You know, to have knowledge about something means that we have a basic understanding of how it is, how it works, and what it is. If we lack knowledge about something, what happens? We're likely to uh, approach the issue the wrong or misleading way. Likewise, it takes time, intention, efforts to grow in the knowledge of who we are and who our partner, who our friend, who our child is. Proverbs 18.5 says, The heart of the discerning acquires knowledge. For the ears of the wise seek it out. Early in their relationships, you know, the couples or friends make a conscious effort to get to know each other. You know, they messed, they spend time to get, you know, getting to know each other. But as time goes by, many of them stop working on understanding their partner. However, getting to know someone is a lifelong process. Whether it's your intimate partner or friend, it takes time. It takes efforts to get to know them. When we grow in the knowledge of ourselves, others in relationship, we are better placed to have godly, healthy relationships. Friends, think about whether you are making a conscious effort to grow in knowledge of how you can become a better spouse, better partner, or better parent. If not, set knowledge as a point of sailing right now. Perhaps some of us need to set self-control as a point of sailing in our relationships right now. By definition, self-control refers to the discipline of a delaying impulse or gratification for a greater purpose. My family and I have worked hard to train um, our puppy, Gracie. It's going well. Some of you uh, asked me, you know, how Gracie is doing. You know, we're teaching, we're training her how to wait patiently for the dinner and how to not steal food from the table. It's been a little struggle. 
uh, and, and how to greet people in a calm manner. She's just too excited to see others. As we train her, we are learning what it means to practice self-control ourselves. You know, you got to be patient. you got to be calm as you teach your dog to be calm and patient. We know the scriptures put a lot of emphasis on the importance of self-control in the lives of believers. For instance, in the book of Proverbs, it says that, you know, someone without self-control is like a, a danger of, of breaking in. Like a city whose walls are broken through, you know, it's like a person who lacks self-control. You have no wall, you have no boundaries. So think of how many other bad things sneak in when our walls of self-control are down and broken. Could be rage, bitterness, lust, selfishness, to name just a few. It could be something as small as losing your temper in an argument with your spouse, with your uh, children, you know, deliberately engaging in annoying habits or, or, or selfish actions which hurt, might hurt your uh, partner's feelings. When we lose self-control, the actions we take tend to feel soothing in the present moment. And that's why it's so difficult to maintain self-control. Because it gives you the instant gratification that doesn't always help you or from a long-term perspective. That's why we need to turn to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And Paul teaches us that self-control is, you know, uh, something that we embody when we are guided by the Holy Spirit. When we fully submit our hearts and relationship to God, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to choose self-control as a point of sailing for our relationship, even in the midst of the toughest moments of our sailing journey. As one Christian writer noted, the exercise of self-control is, mean, is meaning that we are saying no. We're saying no for the sake of a bigger, better yes. We're trading something in the here and now for something greater in the future. The next point of sailing is perseverance. A dictionary defines perseverance as the continued effort to do or achieve something despite difficulties, failure, or opposition. It's right there in the definition. Perseverance can also be very difficult. Self-control, perseverance, the difficult stuff. If people do not get what they want in a relationship, if they are going through a hard time, what they do? What do they do? They quit. They quit. They go looking elsewhere. When people are faced with a trying situation in their relationship, their first impulse might be to give up and throw in the towel. I'm, I'm done. You know, I just want to give up. Sometimes there's a, there is a legitimate reason for doing that. We're going to talk about it next Sunday again. Instead of working through a situation with their child or spouse or partner, 
they might just avoid it altogether. That's one of the defense mechanisms that we draw on. Instead of coming to a mutual solution, they might just simply dismiss their relationship. I do not know where you are in your personal relationships right now, friends, but I encourage you to do a gut check on yourself about your relationship now. Are you a person, are you a parent, or your spouse who demonstrate perseverance, or are you a quitter? Think about that. If you think of you are quitting too easily in your relationships, set perseverance as a point of sailing and make the choice today to go for the long haul. The godliness, the next the point of sailing. I know it's it's a lot, but I, I'm I'm talking again. I'm talking about these different points of sailing. As I help you to discern the point of sailing that you need right now. Godliness. Some of us might set godliness as a point of sailing right now. If your relationship is all about you and the person you are in relationship with. So there is no space for God in your relationship. There are several New Testament words translated as godliness, but in, in its original meaning, godliness, godliness conveys a personal attitude toward God that results in action that are pleasing to God. It's, it's an action that, that pleases God, that glorifies God. Sometimes, you know, godliness is misunderstood by Christians. Being godly means that we don't get to have any more fun or, you know, joy, just reading the Bible always, praying and not having any fun activities. That's not what the Bible says about godliness. God doesn't ask us to hate life and joy and live a monastic, aesthetic life. That's not God's intention. As Paul teaches in his letter, Timothy 4, 8, godliness, godliness is for our own benefit. It's for our own benefit as Christians. Living for God, devotion to God, that's, again, that's the uh, basic meaning of, of godliness. It brings benefit in your life now and in your life to come. Godliness makes an impact on our relationship with others. So when we practice godliness, you know, it, it, we, we can grow in unity with others. So today, if you are on the fence about living for God, be encouraged, friends, and make room for God in your relationship. And think about how your relationship can please God and glorify God's name. Make a room for God in your relationships. Because God is not trying to keep you from fun. Rather, wants to bring you benefits and blessings. Finally, mutual affection and love. It talks about different types of love. The Bible talks about different types of love. The mutual affection in this passage is a Greek word, Philadelphia. How many of you have been to Philadelphia here? Most of you, right? That's Brotherly love, right? And the Greek word, that's brotherly love. A love based on friendship, mutuality, or reciprocity. 
The brotherly love is a necessary component in the Christian walk with others. Our Christian brothers and sisters, we need this mutual affection, brotherly love, the Philadelphia. But we know our relationship, especially our intimate relationship, doesn't always run by 50-50 reciprocity principle. This is why we need a deeper sense of love, deeper level of love, which is agape. The Greek word for love in this passage, in, in Peter, 2 Peter, is agape. The agape refers to an unconditional, sacrificial kind of love. It's a kind of sacrificial love that God has for the world. As we read uh, a scripture from the first John, it's the love that Jesus shown, embodied on the cross. The sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. It's about putting the others first, as we heard from Lorraine and Reach. It's, it's an act of self-giving. Putting others first. Putting others before you. Of course, it's going against our self-centeredness. It's going against our selfish human nature. So without, without the foundation of this agape love based on Christ we can get to this level of love, agape. What's amazing about agape is, though, that most of the time, you don't feel that way when you practice agape. You don't feel like you're sacrificing. Friends, love is the hallmark of all Christian activity at all times. No matter what the gift, how powerful the gift, how many gifts that you have, love is the key. Love is the key the key to our godly, healthy relationships. It's our ultimate goal as Christians. So friends, if you're feeling like you're sacrificing for someone, remember you are reflecting the very nature of God and His love in your relationship. If you feel like you're sacrificing too much and you feel exhausted, Ask God to fill your heart with his agape love. Because those relationships that God has given you to love and grow in love. So ask God to fill your heart with his, with his agape love and grow your capacity to love others. So we just talked about eight points of sailing. We've covered a lot. I hope it wasn't too overwhelming for you. Maybe some of you might think that, well, pastor, I need all these points of sailing. You know, I need all these eight points of sailing. Of course, we all need this. You know, we all need, we all need these eight points of sailing as Christians. But think about what you need to take as a point of sailing right now. Right now, they're all, that's all we need, but what is the point of sailing that you need to take right now? It depends on the wind you're facing right now. What kind of wind you're facing? What's the strongest wind you're facing right now? I hope you discern and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit so you can set a point of sailing to address the wind.
so you can move forward, you can move toward the final destination. Being in agape love, being in perfect unity with others and God. I hope and pray that God may guide you in discerning the right point of sailing, the right course of direction that you need to take in your relationship journey right now. Amen.